We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from North Brave and Bold, the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandals affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brian Marceau, coming live on location, guys, from friend of the podcast, longtime friend of my family as well, but an all-time Vandal family. Jamie Hill is uh, letting me hang out in her place in Moscow for the moment while her and my wife go have lunch. I'm recording on location. Like I said, we're on location. We, we really care about you, Vi. That's why we're here. But in addition to me, again, we are joined by everyone's favorite producer, Dallas Hammer. And Dallas, before we talk about Idaho stuff, I, we need to hear. Jared Goss out of your life. It's been a few days. How's it going? I am ecstatic about that. Um I think Matthew Stafford is going to be a huge improvement, and I think the Rams are going to win a Super Bowl within three years, and I have not thought that in a very long time. So outside of Idaho sports, I'm doing great. You heard it here first, guys. First, in, Within three years, Rams won a Super Bowl. You should make some money off that. Other than to talk Rams football, guys, we're here for instant reaction to another sweep the Idaho men's basketball team endured, this time at the hands of Eastern Washington, which extends our losing streak dating back to last season to 17 games. But before we get, go into our deep dive, ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky cold snacks donates 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho, supporting organizations like CW Hogs and Idaho Food Bank. Yeehaw! That's freaking awesome. Montucky cold snacks, the light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Game time, Dallas. Thursday in Moscow. We This is one of the few times that really any team in the Big Sky is not a back-to-back home, home and home, or back-to-back away and away. We split the games. Thursday in Moscow Memorial Gym, Idaho goes down 75-89. to 89. Gabe Quinnett led Idaho with 18 points on 6-10 shooting. But five Eastern Eagles scored in double figures, led by Michael Meadows, a guy no one would have picked early in the season as a leading scorer for Eastern, with 17 points. And Saturday, just like 10 minutes ago, where we're recording, Idaho went down 62-81, to 81, this time in Cheney. Javeri Christmas, that's a surprise, led Idaho with 13 points, but took him 13 shots to get there. Jacob Groves, the younger brother of Tanner Groves, one of the top scorers in Eastern in the Big Sky Conference, that's Tanner, not Jacob. Jacob's a freshman. He led Eastern with 17 points. And with that, Dallas, like we said, 17-game losing streak, another couple pretty big losses. That scoring margin that had been around negative 15 last week, it's not going to be negative 15 anymore. What is the story, Dallas? Uh, for me, the story of the first game is that damn under 12-minute media timeout. Uh, Idaho goes into the timeout down 58-54. I'm thinking, you know, this is the best play, that best game they have played all year. There might be a chance. And then they absolutely fell apart. They lost by 14. I don't understand. It happens every single game, even 
today, a close game up until you know, the last 10 minutes or so. And I guess it was about 15 and the wheels come off. Uh, today, they obviously can't hold Eastern to under 10% three-point shooting the entire game. So that's kind of what happened. But it for me, the story of this team and this weekend is when it gets it gets toward the end of the game and you need to nut up or shut up, for lack of a better term, this team just shuts up and walks off the court. And it's starting to get, for me, really sickening. You know, we're, we're 10 games through Big Sky Conference season. We are one of two lucky teams. Maybe throw scare quotes around the word lucky because the other team that has that has played 10 games is Montana. They're having their own versions of struggles right now, which we will not talk about because this is not yet a Montana podcast. But what I want to talk about what you said for a second, Dallas, with the under 12-minute mark, because I know you said you don't know what's happening, but I think you do. And the reason I say I think you do is because listeners are probably aware we have said this I don't know the exact number because I'm not yet keeping track, but I'm going to say it's pretty fair to say it around eight times, maybe 10 times that we've talked about Idaho hanging in for three quarters of a game and then falling apart. And what I want to point to is that if you look at every one of those games we've talked about, I think what you'll find is there are a couple statistical trends in every one of those games that you would call anomalous. And if you want to say every game has statistical anomalous trends, I'll, I will agree with you. But what I'm going to say is, let's use this Eastern game today that you referenced, Dallas, when you gave up the Eastern Washington three-point percentage. And you, I know you used the number 10. I, uh, I don't mean this critically. I think it's worse. It was 7%. Eastern Washington shot one of 14 from three in the first half, and Idaho was down six. If Eastern shoots at anywhere near an average clip, it's a 15-point game, game's over before the half ends. We've talked about other games like Northern Arizona, where three-quarters of, three of the way through our second game, we were shooting 60% against Northern Arizona and not winning. We, of course, stopped shooting 60%. So for me, what I'm going to bring it to is we've sometimes talked about turnovers. We sometimes talk about rebounding. We sometimes talk about shooting. Really, this Idaho team is not getting better because they're not, they don't have what it takes to get better. And the reason we're seeing competitive games for three quarters of the game, then it falls apart is what we're seeing is Idaho has to have so many things go right for the game to be competitive because of what, what we have on this roster that it's just not possible to continue to have a good team shoot 7% from three the entire game. It's just not possible for Idaho to keep shooting 55% from the field. And we've had games where we shot over 50% of the field and still found a way to lose. That's because we just need everything to be perfect to be competitive. And it's really hard for that to happen over a 40-minute basketball game, Dallas. At least that's what I'm seeing. When, we're, when we keep saying, hey, why does this keep happening? It's because they're not any good, Dallas. But maybe you have a, some more context you want to throw there, too. No, I mean, we've talked about it a bunch. There's realistically two to three guys on this team that could play on another Big Sky school. Um, and so the talent deficit makes it really hard to to try to hang in there, especially when I don't think the coaching is improving anybody at all. This is the same team that we saw the first game of the season here now that we're in the back half of the, the stretch. The problem is every single game has these statistical anomalies or, or something that's things are going right for Idaho. And then towards the end, that's when it kind of regulates itself out. Eastern was shooting. What, what did you say? One for 14 in the first half. They ended up shooting almost 36% from three. It's not a terrible number, 
so when that averages out over the course of the game, you have a team lose by 26 after the game ends on a 15 to two run. And and that's kind of what we're seeing is when the, the good teams kind of even things back out. Uh, it's just, it's so apparent that Idaho just can't hang. They can't hang with anybody in division one. I. I don't think they could hang with most teams in division two. This team is absolute steaming hot garbage. And it just, it's too bad because we're obviously, we're doing this out of love for Idaho. It's tough to say every single week. This team sucks. They're not getting any better. The players aren't very good. The coaching's not improving them. It feels like we're saying the same thing every single week, but that's that's what it is. They've they turned the ball over eleven times on Thursday. Eastern turned it over nine. That's not the like the two to one or worse ratio that we are accustomed to seeing. They still lost by double digits, and it, it's just going to continue to happen. I don't see an end in sight for it, at least not this season. You reference turnovers, and that's the thing that I will always throw. If anyone asks me about this Idaho team, and I actually had a talk with Jordan K, Idaho State basketball beat reporter, because I'd, our listeners will be happy to hear this. Heading in, Idaho's going to play Idaho State next weekend, and Jordan K is aware of the King Spud Trophy, and he has been told by me and also people from – I'm going to get the department wrong in Moscow, but it's the people who deal with archives, so likely the library. He has contacted them, and those archives people said, like, hey, the, the trophy should be in Pocatello, but if you find it, good Lord, please give us a call. But we have someone hot on the trail of King Spud who I talked to for an hour after work yesterday who about basketball, about King Spud, mostly about King Spud. But I had him look through Idaho's box scores, and, and I told him, because he was asking how, we're, how this is possible, and I told him, look, stats like turnovers that you think should matter, they don't. And when I say they don't, it's not that we don't care about turning it over, but like Dallas referenced, in neither of these games, Thursday or Saturday against Eastern, did Idaho get killed in, in turnovers. That's actually something Chris King referenced on broadcast Thursday, that turnovers have been Achilles' heel, which is correct. Achilles, turn, turnovers are a problem. We were fine with turnovers in both these games. It was a two-turnover margin. For us, that's a big improvement. Both games, our turnover number was below. And on Thursday, well below our season average. And it doesn't matter. It's still a we still have a double-figure loss, which is the, the change that can happen or that could happen would be just a new roster and new coaches. And we talked with Weber last week about the hope being for next year. And I think we didn't spend enough time going over that. If you're saying the hope is next year, it's because any developmental boxes that you would want to check to say the season is improving – it's not just that we're not checking them. We're not going to. I mean, I think this kind of leads into the same story that we we talk about at the end of, it seems like every show now. Uh, is it the head coach, Brian? Realistically, tell it to us straight. Is, is it time to say he's got to go for us to have any chance at being good again? I'm going to clear my throat here like we always do on this show, Dallas, and saying, first off, we do not, we are not the kind of people who enjoy to like just sit back and talk about, hey, should you fire the coach? We spend a lot of time trying to talk about game trends and what we see on the floor. We also, another throat clearing thing, Dallas, because I know you agree with this, even though listeners can't hear you, you are shaking, you are nodding your head with me. We appreciate every guy who's on this team to be a D1 athlete. You have to work harder than many people work harder at anything in their entire lives. And we really wish this weren't the case for what's going on with Idaho for the last three years. We wish for all the players it was going better. It's not. But we, you and I do not enjoy 
pointing out when Idaho simply lacks talent compared to other teams. We wish it were different. We think it'd be really frustrating to be one of those players. To answer your question, I'm going to give you a couple scenarios and I want to, I want you to tell me how you feel about this. Coaches have multiple responsibilities, but to put it very simply, you are responsible for how your team plays on the offensive end. You're responsible for how your team plays on the defensive end. You're responsible for recruiting. We have the worst offensive team in the league. We have the worst defensive team in the league. When you look at our roster, I think there's at max four guys who can make a team like Eastern Washington. We've talked about multiple times. We think Scott Blakeney, Tanner Christensen for sure can make other big sky teams. Gabe Quinnett, positive of him. He has started to essentially only shoot in catch and shoot situations, which is what he should do. He's a good shooter. He has, resp- he has stopped shooting off the dribble as much. Great news. Um, he could probably make a team like Eastern. Don't, think, don't know if he'd play a ton, but he's a great shooter. He's got an elite skill that you can understand a coach wanting. Uh, Damon Thacker, I could understand making some other teams as a fourth guard, probably. Uh, you know, he's a solid combo guard in that he's a good enough ball handler to be a point guard, but he's certainly not great at like penetrating, get other guys open, but he's, he's solid in other stuff. You know, you're not disappointed if he's on your roster. That is four total guys that I think would make other competitive big sky teams right now. So Dallas, you tell me, we have the worst offensive league, worst defensive league, and we look like we're deficient uh, talent wise. Which box is the coaching staff checking off to you? that would explain why we should hope they'll be around next year? Uh, none to me, completely, honestly, none. Uh, I kind of thought this last year when they removed the interim tag, like, Oh, we're pitching improvement. Uh, we have an all big sky guard leading this team and not a lot else. And it's all, everything just revolves around Trayvon, hopefully going for 40. Uh, and now we see it here this season and nobody has made a real leap uh, I mean, Tanner Christensen looks good as a, a freshman. Obviously, he's a little bit older and a little bit more physically developed than most freshmen, uh, having taken a couple years off for a church mission. But I don't see anything in any of those boxes you checked that says, yes, these guys should have another chance to lead this team. Uh, and that sucks. I, I do want to agree with all the points Brian said and, and even double down on that. I think he and I would have a whole lot more fun with this if we were talking about a team that was even halfway respectable. I don't even... I'm not saying like winning the big sky. I'm saying competing night in and night out. I would love to see that. I, I love this school more than most things. I think my wife would probably say I love this school more than her. And maybe I wouldn't disagree. I don't know. It's really tough to watch this uh, for anybody that's listening to this. I thank you guys for listening to us. Uh, I, I'm assuming some of you are just listening to this to get a quick recap of the games. They're hard to watch. It is, it is really tough to go in every single game and expect, well, I wonder how they're going to lose this time. And then it seems like it's in a more embarrassing fashion than it was the previous time. And it, it sucks. It really sucks for, for us, for them. I'm sure they're frustrated by it for the Vandal fan base. It sucks to see that this team used to be, they weren't ever winning the whack, but they were at least competitive. They had chances and that's been most of Verlin's run. They were decent and good enough to compete night in and night out. You know, there were people that didn't want Verlin around and people that disagreed with the contract extension. But for the most part, throughout his run, they were competitive. And that's all I ask for. And right now, I don't see that happening with this coaching staff. What you hit on with Verlin is one of the things that differentiates this, this staff right now, which is Verlin's last year, which was a bad, it was a bad team, no question. But that was also at a time when if if listeners were paying attention to Big Sky back then, you'll know this. If not, hey, we forgive you. Verlin's last year 
Montana had one of their better teams that people pretty much thought was one of our best shots to get an NCAA win. Uh, in, you know, first one for the Big Sky since 2006 when Montana was coached by Larry Kristowiak, who's now at University of Utah. That was uh, two coaches ago in Montana, last NCAA win. So that that team that year, the Big Sky was kind of up as far as like RPI, as far as the top of the conference having a handful of pretty solid teams and Montana being a little understood as a step above some solid teams. And that Verlin team, the people, and I'm saying fans, I'm saying media figures as well, because I remember hearing this. That was when I first started really doing stuff for Tubbs at the club. It's when I was also writing for Montana Mint. And the narrative around Idaho was, was, yeah, they suck, but they've got some good pieces. Cam Tyson was averaging around 12, 13 points a game. Jared Rodriguez looked like a combo forward who's going to be a problem for years to come. And all the critique was centered around, it's because these guys who are producing right now they don't have enough help and they're too young. Give them help in the next couple of years. Let them develop. That's how a team gradually steps up or steps up in just a year or so from bottom to competitive. We don't have those pieces on this team. Last year, like you said, we had Trayvon, who that was a story to watch. This year, we don't have the guy who you can say, yeah, that's our star, who he needs more reps and he needs more help. But that's the kind of player who's going to carry us into the next couple seasons. That, that person doesn't exist on this roster, which is to say after his first full regular recruiting cycle under Zach Kloss, Idaho's in worse shape than we were when he inherited the dumpster fire after Verlin was fired in the summer. And the thing I'm going to connect you to make it more about this year for listeners is we are 0-15. We have three single-digit losses. Our last single-digit loss was against Southern Utah. That was when we shot lights out and scored 80 points. This team never scores around 80 points and still lost that game. And maybe there's a moment where people thought Idaho's turn around because we had back-to-back single-point losses, five points against NAU, and again, went overtime. And then Southern Utah, another five-point loss right after that. We've been getting stomped every game since. And this Eastern game, these two Eastern games were no different. I thought we played our most complete game of the season on Thursday of Eastern couldn't pull away. They had the lead around 10 for a ton of that game, but Idaho kept coming back and making it a two-ish point game, and it was kind of fun. You know, you knew Idaho wasn't going to win or anything, but that was our best game of the season, and we lost by 14, Dallas. So, yeah, if your question is, how does it get better? It's personnel. To me, it's personnel. That's it. I completely agree. Uh, I, I don't really have anything else to say other than uh, for anybody wondering about the Thursday game, if they didn't watch it, Idaho shot 47% from the field and 50% from three. But if you do that night in and night out, that's a, that's a team that wins when you have talent and when you have some sort of presence on the defensive side of the field or the court, excuse me, to do that and still lose by 14 is, is where you, it comes down to us of looking at, it's the coaching. There's just not enough here to be excited about. Um, something I want to I want to kind of change gears, Brian. I know we're getting close to the 20 minute mark. Our last win was March 7th, 2020. We have six games left with the final game of this season slated for March 6th. Are we going to go an entire year without a calendar? Without a D1 win on the calendar? So that's like the easiest question I've been asked since I joined Tubbs. Yeah, I. The Idaho State is making objective growth where last year they were they were understood to be about similar to where we were. 
this year they're not. Idaho State is ignore their non ignore their out of conference schedule, but Idaho State's over five hundred in the Big Sky. We have two single digit losses in the Big Sky. No, we're not going to beat Idaho State. Portland State is probably our best chance because uh, Portland State is universally overrated. But Portland State they beat Idaho State. So if you if you think Idaho State is not a game that Vandal fans should expect as a win, like me. Well, Portland State beat Idaho State, so I don't know exactly how Idaho is supposed to be competitive there. I do have two things that I want to bring up for for listeners, just as context. One is the transition point off the game because, like, again, like we're we are closing in on the point of there not being really anything generalizable, other than to say the team is just not good. So, field goal percentage, <clears throat> Dallas. You referenced Thursday. Idaho shot. 47% from the field, 50% from three. And my question for you, Dallas, let's use, we don't need to discuss the 50% part because we know no team shoots 50% from three on the season. But I, I do have a question for you. The 47.6%, would that be the, if that's what we shot every game, would we be the best shooting team in the league? Yes or no? So for anybody that's listening, uh, I am staring at the wall trying to figure this out because I don't follow the big sky particularly well. I follow Idaho, and that's what I commit to. Gun to my head, I would say yes. That would lead the conference. It would be third. And the reason I bring that up for listeners is that 47% is very good for Idaho. We shoot We shoot 45% on the season, but... That also includes the games we've referenced, you guys, where we've had a couple games shooting over 50%. 47% is great. It'd be third best in the conference from the field. It'd put us behind Eastern at 48.6. By the way, Eastern shoots a lot of threes, which brings that percentage down. And Weber State, who shoots 50.4% from the field. Which is letting you know that is a, it is not preposterous to expect a team can shoot around 47% if you're good offensively. And we still were destroyed. Now, three-point field goal percentage, just as a reference point, the best three-shooting team in the league is Weber at 39%. Idaho is third worst at 32%. So if we're having nights where we shoot 50, just, this should just be a brain-dead thing. 50% is fantastic, fantastic percent to, to shoot from three. If you are losing that game, when you shoot 50% from three, you're just not good. That's us. I do want to bring up one transition point because I do think we have a positive from this game. It's not about this team. It's just about Idaho and the big sky. I thought that the energy between Idaho and Eastern looked a little different um, on Eastern's end as well. It, in this game as compared to like Weber state where I, I rewatched some of Weber state, Weber state actually didn't take this very seriously. If you looked at how they played in the second half and walked away. And the reason I think that's positive is we've talked before about Idaho needs to kind of reestablish or create new rivalries based off being the big sky. It's going to be here in a while. And I think this Eastern Washington one is starting to get legs. Uh, Shante Leggins talked to multiple media sources throughout the week about remembering Idaho beating them last year. And you could tell that wasn't just talk based off how Eastern Eastern played and the energy between the two teams. Did you see something like that, Dallas? Yeah, I did. Uh, it, and it's weird. It's just even just the feeling you get watching it and, and just seeing the, the reaction of guys on the bench when, when somebody hits a, a three or anything more than a, just a contested layup. They are invested in this, which is, I guess, the positive here is Idaho is developing Eastern as a rival, uh, you know, beating them in football last year, which was probably the biggest win Idaho's had in the big sky. 
Uh, I was at the the basketball game last year when Idaho was up, I think, 24. Uh, and then Eastern came back and made it a very close game at the end. Uh, it, it is it is seeming like this is becoming a rivalry. The players give a shit about it, which is is nice. Uh, that's at least something. Uh, there's pride in in taking on these these local schools now. Uh, I I hope the results match it someday. Emphasis on Sunday. And with that, man, we're going to close the bar. We'll be back next weekend when Idaho plays Idaho State in Pocatello for the ICCU Battle of the Domes. And I just say the ICCU part because I know listeners think it's a joke. Uh, we are, if it ever becomes King Spud, we'll make it a big deal. But hey, we like ICCU for the arena money. Uh, I think the rivalry ICCU thing is kind of shoved down our throats. But Amen. we're playing Idaho State next next week for both both Thursday and Saturday. We will be back, I believe, for our Big Sky preview on Tuesday. Record Tuesday, drops Thursday. Dallas, everyone can find you at Hammer Dallas on Twitter. You can all find me at Brian Marceau. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U. Thanks for joining. And in spite of all the bad news, guys, we always close with something good. It's time for the best band in all the land to play us out. Sound of Idaho. Go Vandals. (laughs) 